I'm Scott. And I'm Melissa. And we are the Sunshine Travelers. Our passion is travel and sharing our experiences with those who enjoy it as much as we do, or those that want to learn more about travel, or even those that just want to live vicariously through our travel stories. No matter where you fall along that journey, get ready to hear firsthand experiences as we visit some of the most interesting and amazing places on earth. In this episode, we have a guest traveler joining us to talk about one of our bucket list destinations of Antarctica. We'll discover how do you get there, what do you do, and what do you need to pack. Our special guest will answer those questions for us based on her firsthand experiences. So put on your parka, pack your bags, and let's get started on our journey to Antarctica. Well, today we have the pleasure of speaking with a close friend of ours about her trip to Antarctica. This is on our bucket list of places to go, and we want to learn more from someone that has actually done this trip. Please join me in welcoming to the show our dear friend, Kathy Sandlin. Hi, Scott. Yeah, so glad to see you again, Kathy. It's been quite a while. Good to see you. So Kathy and her husband, David, used to live across the street from Melissa and I, and uh, we actually met during the pandemic. And we met by doing Zoom meetings. So it's very <laughs> appropriate that uh, now we're doing this recording over a Zoom meeting today. Yes, it is. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, it's I think like- one of the things that really interested us in you and David was all of your travel stories. Because mm-hmm. you guys are absolutely world travelers. We're working on the Century Club. Have you heard of the Century Club? No, please, please. It's- Spending time in a hundred different countries in the oh, world. Wow. Oh my and gosh. Melissa's writing over there. She's adding more things to our bucket list. <laughs> so David used to do a lot of, of traveling with the, his company. And I was, I started out my first career as a flight attendant. And so I did a lot of traveling when we were young. I got probably a, a third of my 100 countries done when I was flying. And then afterwards, um, we've done, we've gone a lot of places. And so Antarctica came because it's the seventh continent and hadn't been to the seventh continent. And if you're going to be part of the century club, you have to have all seven continents. And actually Madagascar is the eighth. So, well, there's yet another thing on my bucket list. I do already have the seven continents uh, on my bucket list, but um, mm-hmm. I, I did not have this uh, century club. So um, yeah, my uh, one of my friends star um, introduced me to it and I think I'm about 13 countries away. Oh, wow. So we're getting um, Belize and Iceland this year. So, and Namibia. So I got three coming this year well that's great yeah um, we have belize and we're gonna do an episode on belize um you've met friends of lee and Lori's, uh steve and paulette who yes. lived down in belize for a while um, mm-hmm. paulette reached out to me and she wants to do a episode together talking about belize because that was one of the places that melissa and i went during the pandemic and fell in love uh, yeah so, we're really excited um one of our employees at one of our lodges in Alaska uh, was with us for 14 years. 
and he left to go and be the private guide on a um, a yacht that a very rich man uh, owned. And he bought a lodge in Belize and then uh, Todd and a few other people, they redid it and renamed it. And it was, um, I don't remember what the name of it was, but it's called the Copal Tree Lodge now. So oh, it's wow. That's, the Gorda. Yeah. So very I'm, nice. That's yeah, amazing. So we week. were going to ask you if it would be easier for you to name the places that you haven't been or the ones you have. So I'm guessing haven't been. <laughs> so out of, so you said the three for this year. So then what do you think your next, what, 10, I guess, um, what, what would you have the next 10 to make that Century Club be then? Well, I ha we haven't been to um, any of the Scandinavians. David's been to Norway but we haven't been to Finland or Sweden. We're gonna do um, a tour that, uh, a, a cruising tour, a, a National Geographic thing that goes to all of them. It starts, I think in Copenhagen and goes up and ends up in St. Petersburg. Well, we won't go to St. Petersburg, obviously. Yeah. Right, but, but yeah, so then you could check it'll, off, yeah. Yeah, it ends yeah. somewhere else now. They stopped going to Russia. So um, I don't remember where it ends off. Um, that was a place I wanted to go. I've never been to Russia. So right. we'll, I we'll all keep yeah. our fingers crossed Maybe that one day, yeah. Yeah. One day that one government day. will fall and uh, I hope so. we'll all be able to travel back inside those borders again. So I Kathy, so. we uh, reserve the right to have you back for uh, probably future episodes then to share Absolutely. some other stories from your other places. And I know that we definitely need to have you on to talk about Alaska sometime since you Alaska. are a resident of Alaska and mm -hmm. have your lodges there. And so I think you would be a great. I've been to South Africa a lot. I have been to Kruger Park. I've been to, to Johannesburg, places outside of Johannesburg, been to Cape Town, been to Port Elizabeth and Durban and the Seychelles and um, Mozambique, um, went to Zaire and Botswana, went to the Othenango Delta. So South Africa, all that area. We, we were not lying when we said... Uh... <laughs> She's been around the world. Kathy has been around the world. And so, Kathy, you are going to have to help us figure out where for our first safari then, which, how, how to choose, I think. Then, oh, I would go to Kruger. Point. I want to go back to Kruger. I mean, if you're going to do, it is, and the um, place to stay is called Jocks. Well, and so we're working was, on that itinerary okay. now. Right. Um, and if you want to go back, maybe we should take you with us. So. Oh, <laughs> I want to go back so bad. That place was amazing. And our guide, I mean, we were driving down the road at nine o'clock at night, going back to the lodge and it was dark and he put on the brakes and he backed up about a quarter of a mile to a tree and he pointed, he put the light into the tree and he said, do you see that? And we're looking and we're looking and he and he says that green spot right there. And it was a chameleon. And he saw <laughs> oh, down wow. the road. It was so cool with the rolled up tail and the whole thing. And it just looked like a bunch of green leaves. That's how, <laughs> how and yet he, he could spot it. So. Yeah. But he knew wow. it. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll also be waiting for the invitation on that river cruise that you're going to do. <laughs> the river cruise. Yes, yeah. to the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Sure. Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about Antarctica. So you mentioned you knew Mm -hmm. that you needed, so that was your seventh continent and to do the century club. So, uh, tell us about a little bit about when you went and then why at that particular time, why did you choose Antarctica then? Well, we went in January and it's because it's summer down there and you don't want to be there in the winter. Um, it's, it's brutal in the winter, the wind and everything else. And I was prepared for the passage between Ushuaia, which is in Argentina and the peninsula of, um, Antarctica to be a brutal crossing mm-hmm. and to the our Drake, place, hmm? the, Drake the Drake passage. Yeah, that is the Drake passage. And to our surprise, we went to bed that night, um, Right as we were leaving Ushuaia, we left about 8, 39 o'clock. We were exhausted. We climbed into bed. The next morning we woke up, David got up and he threw the drapes open and the water was like a mirror. It was black. Mm. It was so calm. And there were birds flying everywhere. And we putted along to the peninsula in water like that. And oh, wow. when, <laughs> And it was like... The captain had been doing those crossings for 25 years, and he said he had never done a crossing like that. And then when we went back from the peninsula back to we we went toward the Cape Horn and then um, went over to Ushuaia, and it was only about 10 feet. The water was only about 10 foot waves, 10 to 15 feet that night. We didn't roll out of the bed or anything. I mean, it just we had unbelievable weather. Just wow. Un- because yeah, yeah, I was going to say the people that I've heard that, that, oh, uh, that's it's the, brutal. That's it's the brutal. brutal part, and I was so. prepared for it. I had my ambient and I had some straps that I could strap myself in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause that's wow. That's intense. <laughs> it was, and it was that just incredible. Intense. It we, we just had a glorious, glorious trip. So Kathy, was this part of another trip that you were doing or this was specifically to go down to Antarctica? No, it was specifically you fly from Atlanta to Buenos Aires mm-hmm. and then you spend um, a day and a night in Buenos Aires. And then the next morning um, you get up and uh, they have transportation, air transportation from the, it's part of the t- tour um, from the Buenos Aires airport to Ushuaia. And then you get to Ushuaia probably about 10, 10 30 in the morning. And they have a tour all set up where you go into the national park and, you know, you spend the day doing all kinds of things while they're getting the boat ready because the boat has just gotten in. The airplane that you flew in is going to load up with the people that have come back. So they mm-hmm. do back to back cruises. And um, we ate dinner on a on a restaurant, on a boat. And then um, we boarded the ship around eight o'clock at night and had a nightcap and went to bed. And, and so, so what, what tour company did you use? National Geographic. Okay. Lindblad, Lindblad Expeditions and National Geographic. Okay. So just so that our, we can find that and just link that in the, in the show notes. Yeah. For I think who are interested. it was the okay. explore. No, it was the expedition. The Okay. The name of the ship was the expedition. I think that they still call it the expedition, but it's a new boat. It's okay. a new icebreaker. We did this in 2017, January 6th through the 19th. 
of 2017. And we chose National Geographic because at that time they were the only uh, tour that was using an icebreaker. And we wanted that experience of going into the ice, cutting into the ice. And there were other ships there, but they weren't icebreakers. Now there's a whole bunch of companies that go down there and they've all got icebreakers. Everybody's got a new ship. I tend to think Titanic when you talk about going through the ice, but. (laughs) And it's an ice shelf. It's actually water on the bottom. So you're just, it's a flat uh, sheet of ice. That's an ice shelf and the boat just goes into it a little ways. And then they put the gangplank down and you walk out on the ice and it's, it's really cool. It's another world. Antarctica is like being on a different world. It really is. That is awesome. So tell us a little bit about, so that was your first day, your first night, um, you get on the mm-hmm. ship, you go to bed. What, how many days was the cruise overall? It's nine or 10 days. Nine track. or 10 days. Okay. And, so well, tell us what a typical day then would have been like, or um, maybe some of the biggest highlight days um, for you. Every day was a highlight day. Every day <laughs> was something different. Um, there were three types of penguins down there. There were um, Gen 2 penguins were the first ones that we saw. Um, we saw uh, leopard seals eating crabs, um, eating penguins. Um, we saw all, oh, we saw emperor penguins. We saw the Gen 2s. We saw Adeli penguins. Um, we saw orca, a big pod of orca whales that were. Oh, wow. They were hitting an iceberg. There were penguins sitting on an iceberg and they would, there would be two on one side and two on the other. And they would hit the ones on one side would hit the iceberg and the penguins would start sliding down to the other side, but they would oh, hang wow. on. And then those on the other side would hit it. And it's, and eventually they slid off the iceberg and they were eaten. It was terrible. <laughs> oh gosh. Nature at its best. That's the life down there. It sure is. And then every day, a cafeteria style, like a fix it yourself lunch that you could just walk around and pick out from, from the table, the, this thing, whatever you wanted to eat for lunch. And that was there every day. And then dinner would be a seated at a table type dinner. Um, very, very good food. Um, they did a great job with that. And then um, there was open bar and then there was some kind of program every night, some different program. Uh, we had naturalists on board that had specialties. And so one night, Tim, um, he did a reenactment of the Shackleford, uh, the Shackleford uh, uh, rescue. Ernest Shackleford was coming down from England in a boat in the eight, in the late 1800s. And he crashed into an island on the peninsula of Antarctica. And the boat was no longer, his ship was no longer able to float. And so he had his men and they had lifeboats, but they didn't have anything else. And they were stranded there and they had no, no way to communicate. And so Shackleford and three of his men got in a lifeboat and they, they prepared to go 870 miles to a whaling station that was on South Georgia Island. And uh, the guy that was um, 
on here doing Tim Jarvis was his name and he was an Australian and he did the whole reenactment on this. He had the boat built and the whole thing. And he, oh, he, wow. incredible. he did the whole reenactment. His Ernest Shackelford's granddaughter asked him if he would be, he's an adventurer and um, he was asked if he would reenact this. And so he did it in 2016. So it gave you a good mix between the nature, but then also just some stories and some history and some things that would have happened down in Antarctica exactly. as well. So, and there was a diver, there was a lot of history. Um, Port Lockroy, we, one day we stopped at Port Lockroy and it's an English settlement that was put on Antarctica. There, it was a whaling station for a while. There was a couple of different whaling stations and they, um, um, we visited one of those, but Port Lockroy is not working anymore, but they had everything um, there that you could go in and see how they lived there in the 1950s in this station. Oh, wow. You know, just incredible. And I you can imagine. imagine, yeah, in the 50s, okay. just getting to a place as remote, oh, yeah. right? As and America. I just can't, I can't imagine the brutal cold. It's just, it was cold and it was summertime. It was the middle of the summer. It was like July. Our yeah, you July didn't, is there you didn't have the technology that you have today to keep warm and stuff like that. Mm -mm. I can't imagine. No, I can't either. But I saw it and it it's amazing. So you know, you get the history, you get the flora and fauna, you get, you get um, uh, what's happening to it. You get the ecological point of it. Uh, there is, it's melting so fast. And the, the difference between the North Pole and the South Pole is that the North Pole is water that's surrounded by land. So it'll never change. I mean, the fact mm -hmm. that, that there's not a whole lot of ice at the North Pole anymore, it comes in the wintertime, but it melts, is different from the South Pole. The South Pole is land that is surrounded by water. And right now there's 60 feet of, or more of ice you know, that's just 60 feet is a lot, and yes. but it's melting from underneath. Mm. So that's what makes it so terribly dangerous is that it's. So we were chatting a little bit earlier. You mentioned a couple of, um, so you, you went out in the Zodiacs to get mm -hmm. obviously closer to some things. You did some kayaking, you did a polar yeah. plunge. So tell us a little bit about those like daily excursion type things. That well, they had do. something, we were moving along and, and we were moving along every day. And because of our crossing being as fast as it was, we actually spent $30,000 more fuel because he just kept moving. So every day we were going to a new place in the peninsula. So we would see something new. You just didn't hang around in the same place. Kind of like you did in the Galapagos. You moved from place to place. Right. So, right. so some days we would be in a place where the kayaking was the thing to do. So we would spend the morning or the afternoon kayaking. The diver, somebody, um, his name was Paul, and he dove every day um, under in, in Antarctica and took movies and showed them that night. And we saw all of the different kinds of 
animals and, that were living in, in the Antarctic waters because it was 30.4 degrees. The water was it's cold. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And salt water freezes at a lower temperature. So um, I think it's, it freezes at 29 degrees. So it was like icy water. But the polar plunge was the next to the last day. And so the days in between, we were just one day we went to Port Lockroy, one day we did kayaking, um, three days we went to different rookeries for the penguins. And we saw different, different uh, types of penguins in different places where they live one day. And we do something in the morning and then we do something in the afternoon, but they're moving all the time while we're eating lunch, they're moving. And so we got a pretty good idea of what the whole peninsula will look like. One so day, again, very similar to what we talked about for the Galapagos too, right? You're, sure. you're doing something and then they're moving on. And so it's a great way, right. obviously for Antarctica, it's the only way, but to see so much, to cover oh, yeah. so much ground too. It's, it, it, it's incredible. And one day we, because we were on an icebreaker and they, the hull is reinforced steel, there's, lots of ice shelves all over the coastline of Antarctica. Some of the places we were actually on the land, but most of the places that we were going to, if we weren't, you know, climbing rocks or being on the land, we were on an ice shelf and they, he took the boat and he actually rammed into the ice shelf and then put the gangplank down. And we had all of our crazy warm gear on and we're out on this ice shelf and it's really cold, <laughs> but we walked around and it was really cool. It was very interesting. Yeah. We're going to want to ask you more about that in just a little bit about sure. what do you pack for a trip to Antarctica and what, sure. and so how long would you stay out? I mean, how um, long can you endure that even with all the gear on? Probably, um, probably like uh, the, the excursions were about four hours, four hours in the morning and four hours in the afternoon. And okay. I, wow. That's long then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just depended on where we were, because if you were going in the Zodiac, you were if, in the Galapagos, you're going someplace and you're swimming. Mm -hmm. A lot of right. You're doing you're or doing, hiking or hiking. And yeah. in the in, in Antarctica, it's mostly hiking. Okay. You know, one time we did the we did the kayaking and the zodiac would go from the ship to the land or to the ice shelf. And then we would, you know, walk. So and, and sometimes we would do tours out on the zodiac as well mm -hmm. um, for various reasons like maybe the snorkeling conditions weren't good that day mm -hmm. or we were in a place where we couldn't go on land because there was a few places that um, people weren't allowed to go on land. So we would just go out on the Zodiac and they would take us on a tour to see things um, right. from the Zodiac. And that's pretty much what we were doing uh, when we were seeing the penguins because it, it was, they were on land and they knew where the penguin rookeries were. One penguin rookery had, Oh, in, north of 40,000 penguins on it. I mean, wow. it was just all up and down the hill. We they saw just, a lot of penguins, but not 40,000. Well, it's nesting. It's, it's nesting season. And actually, most of the eggs had hatched. So there were just little babies, but they were at different 
places in their lifespan, you know, the babies worse. So, awesome. Yeah, it was really very interesting. Very. What very would you say is the most memorable part um, of that trip that you took? Oh, my goodness. There were so many things. Probably the when we were cruising through the Luminaire Channel, they do it from about 3.30 in the afternoon. We started the beginning of it and it's all the way through, through the sunset and the colors and it's just snow everywhere, ice everywhere. And the water was so still and it was like mirrors. Everything was just mirrored in the water and it was beautiful. And every once in a while, a bird would fly by or there would be penguins on an ice floe or something. And, and that was really beautiful that whole afternoon and evening. And they ended up setting a bar out because it was just everybody would, everybody was outside. No one was inside. It was just gorgeous. That sounds peaceful. Just How many people roughly fun. were on, on the cruise with you? Well, I think it carries 248 and it was full. Okay. So yeah. there was 248 passengers and probably a crew of a hundred. So wow. I mean, wow. that's a pretty big, pretty big ship. I think I've, uh, I've been oh, yeah. reading recently some of the, some travel bloggers who have done this trip to Antarctica. And one of the things they're, they're talking about is evidently they're introducing some new restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so like they would only <laughs> allow a hundred people on land at a time now. Right. Instead right. of the the full ship. And so. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I see what you're saying. I think that, yeah, I guess it was the full ship. When you yeah. think about it, they let, they, they would, the Zodiacs would go in different directions on the place. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so there would be 250 people, but they're covering a big amount gotcha. of space and you're walking from one end to the other. So I don't remember it being terribly crowded. Yeah. There was an afternoon when we were taken to the side of the beach where there were a bunch of elephant seals that were sleeping. Huge, huge elephant seals. And everybody, everybody was there for that. Everybody yeah. wanted to see it. We had to be very careful because they never woke up. I mean, they, it's kind of, kind of interesting how the animals they know that they're not going to be hurt nobody's ever hurt them so they're not afraid of people that's exactly the way it was in the galapagos that's exactly right Mm -hmm. you know the animals Mm -hmm. weren't afraid of people uh you could tell they had a healthy respect for other animals in that food chain oh Uh, yeah but but really didn't you know they weren't scared of the people in the way that like when we were in the water snorkeling they would just come straight up to you and the lions, the sea lions, the sea lions, <laughs> the penguins, like. all of them, you know, just come <laughs> straight up to your mask. Like, you know, right. what is this thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goofy, goofy animal in my water here. Kathy, was there anything that you just didn't expect that surprised you? Oh, the crossing. I didn't expect that crossing. That was just like an answer to prayers that I had because I get seasick. And I just knew that that crossing was just going to be horrendous. And to wake up to nothing, I, that just amazed me. And then just the, the whole geography of 
of Antarctica, just everything about it, the mountains and the ice and the snow and the, you know, it just, it's incredible. You just have to see it for yourself. It's hard to describe to somebody. It's like being on another land. It doesn't look like anything else in the world. And I've been around the world. It doesn't look like anything else. And it sounded like that surprised your passing also uh, surprised the captain too. So it did. Yeah. Oh, he said he'd never seen anything like it in 25 years. He was, he was an awesome captain too. And he just decided instead of piddling around, you know, waiting out the time because we, we were, oh, three quarters of a day on each side early. So we just kept going. We went all the way in, inside of the Antarctic circle. We got down um, well, and went actually inside of the Antarctic circle. Yeah. Cause I, I think a lot of, um, these excursions that you can do that just go to Antarctica, they just go to the very edge of right. what would be considered Antarctica. Um, but they don't actually break in and go into that, that Arctic circle. Right. And we, we actually went far enough. I guess it was, <laughs> it's hard to know what direction it was, but yeah. you, you come in from South America and it's like, you're going toward Australia but there's a channel and it actually went inside because he got a map out. The captain, um, the last night we were there, they put a map up on the big TV and showed what our route had been. And uh, it was a lot further in $30,000 worth of fuel further in. (laughs) Wow. And then back out again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so then you obviously would, you said you were prepared for seasickness type stuff. So you obviously would recommend to people to have all their seasickness. Yeah. I had been told by someone to just take an ambient and go to bed and just sleep, you know, go to bed while it was still calm. And then, you know, wake up when you wake up. And if you wake up before you get there, take a half of one or whatever. I only need to take a little bit of one anyway. And I sleep for 10 hours. So, cause um, I, we met some good friends. We met some people from Los Angeles on that cruise that we just ended up bumming around with. And uh, um, they've become very good friends of ours. And we travel together now. She gets seasick too. She, she has to ride in the front seat of a car. She gets it that bad. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm awesome. really excited. I've ordered a relief band. Um, uh-huh. It's supposed to help with motion sickness. Well, try it out. So what advice would you have for someone who uh, was in the wanted to take this trip was in the planning stages of taking this trip? How would you advise them? Probably we bought a map. We bought a book. There's not there's not really a travel guide because the there's not really a way unless you're an adventurer there, you know, and you've gotten permission, you can't really go inside like to the South pole, unless you have permission to do that, or unless you take an airplane or a helicopter or something. So if you're taking a a ship, I would just get with them and they have packing lists and things like that. They supply boots you can rent boots, you can rent pants. They give you a parka that has a liner in it and it is warm. 
it's very warm and you get to keep that. Um, I think that they're blue now. Mine's orange. They were orange for a while because they could see it on the ice. They were worried about losing people. Um, <laughs> the food is good. If you have food restrictions, you just tell them, you know, that there's food restrictions and they're real good about that. And the beds are comfortable. There's not a whole lot of advice. You just have to be prepared for the movement, the movement of the ship, the movement, you know, walking, walking, hiking. You can, you, they have poles, they have walking poles you can use. But instead of lugging boots and pants, it's best to just go ahead and rent them if they're available. They, and National Geographic has them. Okay. Yeah, that's good advice. That is good advice. Mm-hmm. And so that's a perfect segue. So what else would you personally pack then to take? What, what else did you need or what did uh, you find that you didn't need that you wish you wouldn't have brought along? I had um, a lot of long sleeve, you know, sweater type things. And that's just that in uh, yoga pants was what I lived in on the ship. And then when you get into your, to go out, you're always wearing um, insulated underwear and long pants under your waterproof pants. And then the jacket was very warm. Uh, You need gloves, uh, you need a hat. Because you have a hood, but you want a hat up underneath the hood to keep your head warm inside of that. Um, sunglasses, for sure, because the sun is up all the time. Uh, it's summertime there. And that's something that you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't think about, yeah. right? So that's good advice. Exactly. Yeah. Sunscreen, yeah. sunscreen and sunglasses and uh, chapstick, I'm trying to think of what else, but the gloves I got. I had the gloves from Alaska. I brought a lot of stuff that I had from Alaska because I figured it was about going to be about the same, um, a little colder, but we just had such wonderful weather. You just have to watch the weather. I would say. Right. And so then just make sure that your tour operator has the boots Uh and has the pants and has Has the the boots and pants that you can. Yes. And most of yeah. we have a blogger that we follow and uh, one of his biggest recommendations was an investment in some quality merino wool um he -hmm. talked about you know the the wool shirts that he had the socks and um a hat and uh you know he obviously had a uh, a relationship with a certain shop that sold this these wool items but um he said you definitely want that for underneath the uh the -hmm. clothing that you're going to wear something that wicks that moisture away and stuff like that yeah, we had we have some merino. Um, since we went to Antarctica, we have established a relationship with a company called Minus Thirty Three Degrees, and they make socks and underwear, and their stuff is amazing to fish with. So your socks get wet, not usually because it's whether you would spring a a leak in your boots or right. whatever waders but the socks just keep your feet comfortable, a comfortable temperature. So um, I recommend that, that too, as well as Rena wool. It's called minus 33 degrees. Okay, we'll put a link to that um, Mm -hmm. for our listeners in the notes. uh, That's what they make is, is your undergarments and your socks. 
So good to know. And the nice thing about those things is over the over time, those things have gotten more and more lightweight too, right? But they're warm, yeah. but they're mm-hmm. but they're pretty white lightweight. So, yeah. well, Kathy, anything else that we haven't talked about that you would like to share about this journey to Antarctica? Oh, it was just it was a once in a lifetime thing. It was just an amazing amazing experience. Um, it, like I said, it's like nothing else on the face of the earth. It really is. It's just incredible. An incredible experience. Uh, the watching, we got into a super pod of whales. There was 175 whales. It was a super pod um, of orcas and they were hunting. I mean, they were hunting and, and, um, we got, we saw some humpbacks. We had a humpback that came right up to the ship, came, went under the bow, came down the side, came back up, went back under the bow, was really interested in what was going on was this. So we got, we got some real up close and personal with that critter. He was quite big. Yeah. The wildlife is, is amazing. And it's, and you don't see any of that anywhere, you know? there's those kind of penguins they're just down there (laughs) right yeah yeah so Kathy would you say if you had to rank uh an African safari and then the Antarctica experience what should Uh, what should somebody do first well I would say Antarctica and it's only because it's the seventh continent but for me um I mean I love I love Africa what I saw in Antarctica I never saw anywhere else on earth I've seen animals. I mean, I hate to compare because you can't compare Africa to a zoo, but the animals that you see in Africa, you see in a zoo. Right. And you, if you're on a really good safari, you see them up close and personal in their environment. And so that's different. But Antarctica, everything about it is different. It's just uh, the pictures you see, and I tried to recreate them in my Shutterfly book. They don't match seeing it with your own eyes and being there and the wind blowing and, you know, just the sun shining. It just was incredible. And I I just wish anybody that's going that they just have good weather. From a photographer's standpoint, I can relate with that, that it's, you know, even with the best editing of a picture that you can it's just so hard to sometimes soak in all of those experiences into a picture. And that's why the really best photographers out there make big money on stuff like oh, that. Oh, they do. Yeah. And, and, and I did, I mean, I, some of my pictures were really incredible, but when I compare them with actually seeing it with my own eyes, there's just a dimension and it's being, you look at the picture, but you're not there with all of the sounds and all of the feelings and, and the air and everything around you that you're looking at. It, it, you, you can't compare. I've never been able to compare it with anything. And anything. I think a lot of times when you look well, back at your own pictures, then you have that, that memory, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have that yeah. memory of all the other things. And if you're just looking at somebody else's picture, it doesn't have the yeah. same. It doesn't. The it's same a nice thing. picture. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it really doesn't. And it, and it is, it's all about um, uh, that I was there, that we were there. I mean, David was there too. <laughs> I should give him credit, <laughs> but he, he probably soaked in more of the experience because he wasn't taking pictures. Right. So some, mine were 
some of mine were, oh, I just got to get that, you know, and I missed something. I missed something else. But um, David's another one of those guys. If we if we could get David onto our podcast, some of his <laughs> uh, hunting trips that he's done way back in the most isolated mm-hmm. areas of the jungle and rivers and stuff like that are are phenomenal. But he would love to. Uh, we, he this past summer he went to Norway and he fly fished the Alta River in Norway, which the part that he was on is privately owned and you have to be invited to go fishing there. And he got an invitation and um, that he's got incredible stories about, you know, how long it took, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's really pretty, but he never takes any pictures, you know. Now you can understand why we clicked so quickly with David and Kathy and all of their travel stories. So Kathy, um, before we close up here, what Mm -hmm. would you say are the three most memorable places that you visited? Oh, I was that when I had a hard time when, um, when I read that that was one of the questions, um, Antarctica for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's up there. Um, probably Hong Kong. I went to Hong Kong in 1970 with David before, while he was over there, he had an R&R and we took, um, we took it a trip and went from Bangkok to Hong Kong and spent five or six days in Hong Kong and to see what's happened there and, and it going back to China and just the history of it. It, it was, it was an incredible thing back then. And to be an American and to be there um, was different also, just looking back on what I know now, as opposed to what I knew when I was 22, it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing trip. So Antarctica, Hong Kong. Probably Ireland. Ireland. Ireland was, um, Star and I went to Ireland and I have a lot of Irish in me from both sides of my family. And so it was an incredible to, we went from Dublin all the way around up to Galway and then back down to Dublin. And we went in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And the Cliffs of Moher, um, Cork, just everything mm-hmm. about Ireland was just amazing. Just and just for our listeners, uh, Star is a dear friend of yours. Um, right. Star you have traveled a lot with. So Yeah, Star and I were in training school with Eastern Airlines in 1968. And we flew until Eastern died in 91. And Star went and flew with American for about 20 more, 25 more years. And she passed away a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And I've missed her terribly because she was my traveling buddy. Uh, Just before COVID, we had a trip where we were going to go to Egypt. And that's still on my bucket list. I'm going to Egypt. I just have to find somebody to go with me. (laughs) Hey, have you ever heard of the Sunshine Travelers? (laughs) (laughs) You bet. You bet. Want to go to Egypt? Oh, we will go to Egypt to with you. I had the best trip planned. Oh, I couldn't believe it. And I don't think they offer it anymore. I have to oh. check and see. 
Yeah. So it sounds like, um, yeah. So it sounds like that's definitely on your bucket list and yeah, a lot of types of travel that you could do. They do change over time. Which that was going to be our Mm -hmm. next question is, um, what's still left on your bucket list? So Cairo being one of them. Pardon me. Cairo. What's still left on your bucket list? Well, it, it's a tour. It's the Nile tour. It starts in, you fly into Cairo and you go to Giza and you spend one or two days in Giza and you see all the Sphinx and the, the uh, pyramids that are in Giza. And then you go down to Luxor and you fly from Cairo to Luxor. And then you get on a boat in Luxor and go down the Nile and get out in Ashwan. And so you visit all of the different tombs, et cetera, and, and pyramids that are between Luxor and Ashwan. And then you fly back to Cairo and then you spend a whole day in the Cairo Museum. And that's the way I want to do it because I want to have been where I'm going before I go see the antiquities that came from there. <laughs> I don't want to see the antiquities and then try to, oh, now what did that look like? See, Melissa, we did Greece correctly. Right. We got to see all the antiquities of Greece at the British museums uh, before going to Greece. So we did it right. (laughs) No, 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 no. You go to the place first and then you see Uh, the end. No, after. Uh, But as long as you uh, remember what they are. See, I know there's so many. There's like, there's, there's so... There's Tutankhamun and there's the, uh, what's the woman's, uh, Nefertiti and uh, I can't remember all of the different, I'm old now, um, all the different ones, but you have to know, you have to take those notes when you're at the place and seeing what it looks like. And then you go see what they got out of it. You know? So you have that visual. Oh yeah. That's awesome. That's we're definitely incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you something have that, that we're learning. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're learning to take those notes while we're there and in oh. the moment. And so that Always. way, when we go back, we can, you know, mm-hmm. really reconstruct this story. So. Yeah. And if you've done that, if you did that in England, you got the the things that you saw in Greece. Then when you go back to Greece, you can see them. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same way if you go to Italy, you, you need to know what's going on, where you are, what happened, all that kind of thing. It's it, the world is such a huge place, but it's still so small. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode and sharing your experience from Antarctica. We do hope that you'll come back and tell us some of your other stories on future episodes. Um, I would love to. I would love to. I hope yeah, that just was- so much experience. So, Melissa, I don't know about you, but I went ahead and started packing for our trip to Antarctica. I'm not sure I'll be able to get away with a backpack for this trip, though. No, I don't think so either. But I think we have a really hard decision to make, and that is, do we go to Antarctica first or do we do the African safari first? Mm. Well, you guys will have to follow along and see what we decide. What an amazing trip Kathy described for us in this episode about Antarctica. I would definitely classify this as an adventure trip, If you've done this trip before, reach out and let us know what you loved and even what you might do different the next time. Our research on Antarctica has shown that rarely are two trips exactly the same, even if you're going with the same provider. Most of all, we love hearing from you and are inspired by your stories. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode and will find some inspiration for your next bucket list trip. Most importantly, follow our podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends to help them catch the travel bug. You never know, they may become your greatest travel companions.